This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. As I said, I've been I've been uh, having missions months since the early 1990s, and it seems like God has turned the heat up or something. I talk about on in the spirit. You know, Jesus said He wants us to be hot. No lukewarms, no colds. He wants us hot. And it seems like he's getting more concerned. When you see these verses and things we're going to be looking at, you're going to see why. But uh, did everybody receive one of these? If you didn't receive one of these, you came in today. Hold up your hand. We want to make sure you have one. Well, Mrs. Pastor, I will give you this one here. But I'll show them this on the back first. See, they got Julie did that. She's good. You got your own. Okay. Okay, on these missions pledge cards, what we do with these, and, and by the way, I'm so grateful our church kept its pledge to the Besser family. We helped them all year long like we said we would. The church gave them an extra $500 or more every month for a whole year. Many of you on top of that $500, you pledged them on top of that for the whole year we gave to the Bessers. And God saw that we keep our word. And those people that are missionaries to America... They got to be supported in their move out, out to Missouri because we did our part. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. And so what we, what we like to do, I never, ever, ever want to be, want to be a preacher that plays on people's emotions and et cetera, et cetera, especially when it comes to money, just tries to play a con job. But I like to be serious. And because God is serious about missions, we have some great missionaries and mission place organizations that we support, but to be able to tell them what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, we need to know that we got the backing of the church family. And so what we do with these missions cards is we want you to take them home and just pray and ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? And then... You can just keep that, put that on your refrigerator or something, someplace where you see it, where you like to look at your notes. If you've got a little bulletin board or whatever you do, look at that. Every time you pass it, just say things like, Jesus, I want to thank you. I'm a child of God. And I'm led by the Spirit of God. I want to thank you, Jesus. You're leading me and showing me what you want me to do. Because, see, Jesus sees your future. He knows, matter of fact, he knows more about your future than you know about your past. Amen. And he knows what you need to sow, because what kind of harvest you're going to need. I think about that lady sold the thousand dollars, and boy, Jesus knew, man, you get ready to get a three hundred thousand dollar harvest, but you got to have the seed. And so, anyway, as you pray about that, on April the twenty eighth, on April the twenty eighth, Liz and Dana and I will be here. They just have to be. That's the day they're going to be here. But anyway, on that date, bring your card. Well, you don't have to bring the card back, but that white card on the back of it there, that white piece of paper there, says church copy. Audit check how much that you prayed about that you want to commit for a year. $5, $25, $50, $100, or whatever amount you feel the Lord laid on your heart. That's between, totally between you and God. But you're his sheep. You know his voice. He's not going to deceive you. He'll tell you what he wants you to do if you ask him. But the main thing is ask him and listen to your heart. And if you're husband and wife, of course, you need to be in an agreement. What you're going to do, you need your faith to work together. But anyway, pray over that. And then on the 28th of April, bring that paper back in along with your mission offering, because that day we're taking up our first mission offering for our new fiscal year for missions. So that's what we'll be doing. Everybody understand how that works? That's what we do it then for a whole year. That's what we do. And we're just going to be seeing the great testimonies of things coming back. I got a signal coming from the front. But yeah, the Besser pledge is ended. You don't have to do the Besser thing anymore. If that's something you want to do, you can. But our commitment to them is over with. We're still supporting the Bessers, but just not the level we were because that was a one-year thing God had us do. All right. I'm, I'm ready for some happy preaching now. How about you? All right. Got some life over there. Got some mic. What happened to your section? <laughs> Somebody threw water off. I'm ready for some good preaching now. How about you? Okay. Okay, as, as we look at this, let, let me pray over this. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. That Lord, as I sleep at last night, you talked to me in my sleep. In the night watches, I heard you. And you told me that Jesus was the first missionary. That Jesus was in a foreign land called heaven, foreign from earth. And that Jesus was sent on a mission 
to give his life for the lives of the world. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus came to earth as a missionary. He accomplished his, his mission. And like so many times we've heard, mission accomplished, Jesus said, it is finished. He accomplished his mission. He went back to heaven. And then he called us to continue with the, with the ministry of reconciliation and sharing the gospel. So I just want to thank you, Lord, because it's your gospel, it's your mission, it's your calling, that for this church family, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my church, we will serve the Lord in all that you call us to do. I thank you, Jesus, for lighting this fire in their hearts that you put in mine, that they'll see it, they'll get it. And this church, Lord, is going to do more than ever before to get the gospel out, not only around the world, but especially right here in the high desert, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, as a baby pastor in the early 90s, I asked the Lord this question. And you're going to see the question right there. But anyway, when I, when I was a new pastor, I'd, I'd been to Bible school and I'd learned some things. But there's a lot of things in Bible school uh, that are taught. But when you start pastoring, it's not just taught, it's got to get caught. I had to catch it. I'll say it again. That's just like some of you. Some things you're not going to learn by getting taught. They got to be caught. You got to catch them. I see the catcher right there. <laughs> we'll watch some of those games this year, Philip. <laughs> uh, think about softball. I said I talked about the caught. about these jocks we got in the church and catch those fly balls. But anyway, when a preacher's preaching, a lot of times faith comes, and you might not get it, but you got to catch it. And so as a baby pastor, when I was learning things, starting to do things, I, uh, I knew that things like communion, church was supposed to do, so I had to learn that on my own about why is that so important to you, Jesus, about taking communion. And about, to, you know, just a lot of things I had to learn. But anyway, as I was starting to get my feet wet in pastoring, I knew I started to have to, have to start learning something about missions. I had to learn what to do and why. And so I asked Jesus, uh, just real simple, just, uh, and by the way, I'm talking about a baby pastor. Do you all know that any, anything in life that's new to you, you take baby steps? You know, you could be an older person, but if it's something brand new, you're taking baby steps. And then once you get your feet in the water, man, you can swim. But you have to take those first steps. So anyway, I asked the Lord, why missions? And his answer was this, help me reach the world. I want to help you reach your part of the world. Let that sink in. You got to catch that. He said, help me reach the world. I'll help you reach your part of the world. And the Bible from Genesis to Revelation teaches seed time and harvest. Seed time in the natural world. Seed time in the spiritual world. What you sow is what you reap. And so if you've got a heart for hurting people, addicted people, Lost people to hear the good news of Jesus. And Jesus, by the way, Jesus said, I can tell where your heart is by where your money is. If you've got a heart for the gospel to go out and help people that you're sowing into that, then what you're sowing is what you're reaping. Then no matter where your family lives in the world, Jesus is going to have somebody that can connect with them to share the gospel. Amen. You know, I learned a long time ago, that God uses people in the natural fields that they live in and work in. For years, I was a truck driver. As a truck driver, I got to share the gospel with lots of other truck drivers. I wasn't in very many lawyers' circles sharing with lawyers because I wasn't, that wasn't my field. I wasn't in very many doctors' fields sharing with doctors, but God's got lawyers to share with lawyers, doctors to share with doctors. And so wherever your family's at, that you pray for, you want to see know Jesus. If they're a truck driver, if they work in a department store, if they work at a factory, whatever they do, God has somebody in the realm of influence he can send to them. That's your part of the world. Your part of the world is wherever your family is right now. I've got family in Alaska. I got, I'm talking about kids. I got a daughter in Alaska, a daughter in Florida, got a daughter in Georgia, and five boys. Got lots of them. I got a grandson that's been, been in the Middle East of the war and everything like that. 
I got family everywhere, and I'm so grateful to know that the same God that's with me right now in Barstow, California, is with them wherever they are, and He knows who out there is the best ones to talk to them. Amen. And so when Jesus told me that, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I mean, I just immediately knew that's seed time and harvest. What you sow is what you reap. If we're out to get somebody else's kids saved, then guess what? God got somebody else getting our kids saved. Back when my parents were living, uh, they didn't receive a lot off me for a long time. I finally got to lead them both to the Lord before they died. But I knew that although my dad and mom, do you know Jesus said of prophets, not without honor except in his hometown? Well, a lot of my family would receive off me, but guess what? I knew the one could send the right to one unto him. And so whatever I prayed, I knew that God, that God was watching me as I ministered somebody else's brother. I knew that God had people ministering to my brothers. Amen. And when I was ministering to somebody else's parents, I knew that God had somebody ministering to my parents. Why is that? That's the law of seed time and harvest. What you sow is what you reap. And so why missions? It's because I want God more than anything else. To reach my family. I want God more than anything else since he sent me to California. I want God to show himself strong in the high desert of California. Amen. I'm not looking to build a kingdom for myself. But since God gave us such large facilities, so much property and things like that, that Jesus said, don't bury your talent. He said, use it to multiply it. And so I want to see God fill this church up, fill these buildings up. And if Jesus tarries to expand beyond what we have, even do more like that, why is that? Is that so you, everybody can know who you are? No. That's because I know the more people that are in here sitting under the Word of God is going to be the better moral place we have to live in this area out here. You get a bunch of, you get a bunch of Christians in a city, the city changes. And so that's what I know. And so I do my best because I love Jesus, help Him reach the world. But I know the main byproduct of that is this is that he's going to help us in this part of the world. Amen. Amen. Does that make sense to anybody? Amen. Look at Isaiah chapter 60. Say, I love my Bible. I love the Word of God. I love Pastor Samples. Remember that thing years ago, they used to have the little bumper stickers. I too need love. It's nice to be loved, isn't it? Hey, man, when you do those confessions, man, you get them to say about anything. <laughs> but we keep it alive with the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, prophesying of the time we live in. He says this, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. He said, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. You know that Jesus is the light of the world? But then he told us we're the light of the world because he's in us. And so we light, we light up the darkness around us. Anyway, this is talking about end time believers. He said, believers, arise, shine. Your time's come. The Lord's risen upon thee, his glory. Is this talking about end time believers? So we live in the last days of the church age. Does anybody know that? This is the last days of the church age. You know, praise God for save the planet. We'll work on the planet and all that kind of stuff, but save people first. Why can't we do both? Why can't we save babies as well as save the planet? Why can't, why, why can't, why can't we do it? The Bible says first things first. You know, I know that, uh, oh, don't get a money drill. Watch out. Oh. I know that Christians, Christians probably love this earth more than anybody else in the whole world because we know that God made it and God's greater and we don't want to destroy it. We don't want to tear it up. Amen. Christians Love God's creation, but we love God's people more because we know that things we see, things we see in this earth are temporary, but human beings are eternal and they live forever and ever and ever and ever. And so the first thing we want to do is make sure that people know Jesus. Amen. And so he says, arise, shine, his glory shall be seen upon thee. We're in the last days of the church age, so more than ever... We must actively wake up. I want to say that again. We must, we must wake up, arise, and share the light of Jesus around the world more than ever. 
More than ever, we've got to wake up. Oh, there's so much I have these next three weeks. Oh, man, I just can't get ahead of myself. This is so good. This is the Word of God talking. He said that. And so why must we make it wake up? Why does our light need to shine? Verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And remember this talking about hundreds of years ago. Isaiah prophesied of the last days, darkness shall cover the earth. If that wasn't enough, he says, gross darkness. Did you ever hear somebody say the word, ooh, that's gross. Well, I'll tell you what, the darkness of the earth today is gross. And that's according to the Bible. It says, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And so the people of the earth are living in gross darkness. I just I just think about this, the things we see. Uh, that, that gross, I just have to look up a little definition on that. It means obvious darkness, unacceptable wrongdoing, flagrant, and, and, and blatant. Things that are so obviously wrong. But he tells us that his glory shall be seen upon thee. And we're talking about missions today, as we'll see more as we get into this. But we're talking about us. You know, you don't know how light one candle is till you're in a dark room. But you get a bunch of candles together, they light up the whole dark room. I remember one time years ago back in Indiana, we were eating at a, it's a really one of our favorite places to eat with back there, called Gray Brothers Cafeteria. And they had some really several nice dining rooms. And they have these nice chandeliers, but they keep the lights turned dim. You know, it's kind of a, one of those kind of fancy place, but low lighting. So we were sitting there in this room, and all of a sudden, across the room, way back there, I saw this thing like a blowtorch walking through the room. Well, there's some woman there had a hundred, her hundredth birthday party. They had a hundred candles on a cake. And they were carrying it through there. And what it did about blinding you, it lit up that whole part of the room, all those hundred candles. And the Lord spoke to my heart about believers. If we today had our spiritual eyes opened in this church, every one of you, has a light shining on your spirit full of God. But you get all of us together like this, and the devil looks in here, he gets blinded because of all the light that's shining in here. Amen. And there's a place in Kentucky called Mammoth Cave. And people that go to Mammoth Cave, Kentucky, they take you in a boat inside this really dark cave, and then, then the guide lights a match. And you can see everything around you, that one match light. That's like a believer walking into a bunch of sinners at a family reunion, at a job function, anything you do. Your light shines so much, we stick out like a healed thumb. Well, Pastor, that's, that's not, it's a sore thumb. Now, if you don't know the Word of God, you can keep your sore thumb. I believe mine's healed. I'm going to say what the Word says. I'm healed. And so we stick out like a healed thumb. We're around people that don't have Christ. And so think about the missionaries, which is what we're talking about this month, missionaries. You go to these heathen nations where they got witch doctors. You go to these communist nations. That's where Liz and Dana are right now. They've been in Vietnam and uh, Nepal and those kind of places where it's 99% Muslim. You go to places where they're anti-Jesus Christ. You think their light doesn't shine? Their light is shining bright because there's not very much light around there. And so that's what the Word of God says. Gross darkness going to cover the earth. It said, but you arise, let your light shine. Amen. Amen. Let your light shine. And so anyway, uh, the people of the earth live in a gross darkness. And so their only way out of that darkness is to hear and receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to hold your place and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Well, you don't have to hold your place. We're not coming back. But 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. I praise God for the light of the gospel that shows us things, helps us understand things. Actually, verse 3. Verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, look at this. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, because the image of God, should shine unto them. And so, 
You know, I think about what I've seen some Christians do before, which is so wrong. When you're talking to sinners and unsaved people, number one, the number one truth they need to know is that Jesus died for your sins. Because until that point in time, why are you going to te- try to teach them about the temple? About all the different inner courts, outer courts, and all the curtains and stuff like that? They could care less. Why are you going to try to teach them about tithing or communion and all those kind of things? They're blinded. And those things mean nothing to them. They can't see anything. The first thing you've got to do around people that are blinded and deceived is let your light shine. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the first thing we need to do as believers is, number one, have the revelation that unsaved people are blinded spiritually. And you browbeating them about, hey, you shouldn't be living with her, you shouldn't be living with him, you shouldn't be drinking that, you shouldn't be smoking that. They're sinners. they got a different nature. Did you notice that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 there, it says that the God of this world is a small g, not a big g? i got to say it. Man, you Facebook goofballs. Quit putting a small G on your God in there. Our, jo- our God's got a big G. If you're going to talk about God on Facebook, put a big G. Amen. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. Our God has a big G. The God of this world. Somebody said, I thought God was the God of this world. No, there's another God because the Bible says so. He's the God of this world system. We as believers, Jesus said in John 17, said we're in this world. We're not of this world. So right now, we, we, we are visiting here for a short time. The world system does not lord it over me. The world system lords it over people that don't know Jesus. Can you see that in the Word of God? Amen. It says the God of the world has blindness. So the first thing we need to do for sinners, don't holler at them about what they're doing wrong. Because they can't do anything right to get them to heaven until they receive Jesus. So the first thing we got to do is let our light shine. And then because God calls us to get the gospel around the world, we got to help his missionaries take that light around the world to get these heathen nations born again. All these different religions, you know, Julius will be here in what, July? Yeah, Julius from India. How many gods does he tell us? They got in India, three million or something gods in India? Yeah, yeah, Julius, he's, he's, he's born in India, he's an Indian, but he's not an American citizen, but he works all over India, and he tells us in India they got three million or something gods. How are they going to change their gods if they don't hear about Jesus? That's the only way you change it. So as Christians are rising, let their light shine, and so unsaved people are blind and deceived spiritually, and the only way out of darkness is to hear about Jesus and to act on the message of Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins, raised from the dead. And you know, the thing about it, I think about us as believers, what we've got to realize is we have something that the world doesn't have. It's called anointing. You know, the Lord told me years ago, the only difference between a preacher and a politician is politicians like to talk a lot. And if you're an anointed preacher, you like to talk a lot. But he said the only difference is, is that preachers have anointing. And so when politicians talk, unless there's some kind of born-again preacher politicians that said something good about Jesus in it, they don't have any anointing. They've got death. And so when missionaries in a foreign land speak the name of Jesus, there's anointing behind it. That's no matter how much darkness there is around there, that anointing on those words and on that name of Jesus goes right to their hearts. And they get the revelation immediately. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And then when nations, no matter what the prevailing religion was, begin to get born-again leaders raised up in the population and begin to get in positions of authority, then the nation can start shifting, start turning. But it all starts in little churches like this that help 
missionaries be supported to go over there so they'd be worried about what are they going to do for their families, but they're taken care of so they share the name of Jesus and it turns nations. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so every born again Christian, by, by the way, I'm not going to set you up, but how many here are proud of Jesus? If Jesus is in your heart, raise your hand. Amen. And so I'm talking to you right now. Every born again Christian has it in their heart to help get the good news of Jesus spread around the world. Every born again Christian has it in their heart. They want the good news to be spread around the world. And so remember what I asked Jesus? Why missions? Back in the early night, I said, why missions? He said, help Jesus reach the people of the world, and Jesus will help you reach the people in your part of the world. I love working with Jesus. I love knowing that although I've got some family members that, for various reasons, haven't seen each other for years, and very seldom talk, and they're not ready to go to heaven yet. I'm so glad to know that although I can't see them, I know that Jesus can. And I know that because I put Jesus first in my life to reach out to others, I know that Jesus has some very serious believers that dog in my family. Amen. They're working on him. You know why? Because I'm helping Jesus reach the world. It's the law of sea time and harvest. That's what he's doing. So anyway, go ahead and look at Galatians chapter 6. I want to show you another verse. Galatians chapter 6. I want to look at verse 7 through 10. I'm so grateful to know that God's Word is the truth. Amen. God's Word is God talking. I love Jesus to talk to me, and He talks to me through His Word. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. First three words say, Be not deceived. Wow. Be not deceived. Whenever I see words like that in the Bible, in my Bible, I put red around it and I put yellow through it. You know why? God's Word is God talking. And if God tells me I can be blessed, I want to circle that too because I want to know the blessing. But if God tells me I can be deceived, I want to circle that too. Because if He says, warns me, says, don't be deceived, then I don't want to be deceived. Amen. I want to say that again. If God says, don't be deceived, that means it's possible to be deceived. Don't be deceived. How many of you here have ever been deceived by some salesman? I still have a problem with salesmen most of the time. But I know there's good salesmen because I know good Christian people are salesmen. But unless they're a good Christian salesman that I know, I just really don't like salesmen. Because so many of them, and I know they're good people, they got to make money, got to make a living, and if they're going to rob somebody without a gun, I just don't want to be the one who gets robbed. <laughs> but anyway, salesmen deceive you sometimes. I'm not saying all of them, but some of them, they deceive you. I know that one time back in 1972, what were you doing in 1972? I know what I was doing, I was being deceived. In 1972, I bought a brand new Dodge. And this car dealer I brought it from, I was talking to this guy. He took me into the sales room, and they had these uh, little pin things, colored pins there for all the sales that they made. They just had this certain colored pin all the way through there. He said, you know what that is? I said, what's that? He said, I'm the number one salesman every month. He said, I treat the people best. I said, boy, that's really, that's, real, that's really impressive. I bought the car. I had problems with it like six months later. I went back. I said, hey, I said, I need to see so-and-so. I said, oh, he, he's no longer with us. Why? And they said something. I said, no, no, he's the number one salesman. I said, I saw all of his whatever color those pins were. He said, no, 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 that, that, that means he was failing every month. <laughs> I said, well, that rat. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you, you know what? I never got deceived again and bought a new car. They never deceived me again because I learned how to do my homework and check them out. And so when the Bible says, don't be deceived, that means some people are deceived. And so, just because some people are deceived doesn't mean I have to be one of them. Amen. And so anyway, he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. 
He that sowed to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I am not going to knock Las Vegas because I know they have some decent shows that people can watch Las Vegas. There's some fun things Christians can do there. But I can tell you this. On Friday nights, when I try to get on the 15, or on Sunday nights, or when I try to get on the 15 going southbound, I don't think those blockages on the road are for people to get out of church. I don't think the majority of those cars are people that said, I just can't wait to get to Las Vegas. Oh, they got churches up there. Oh, they got, they got building programs for churches up there. Oh, I can't wait to get to Las Vegas. I got, I, I only got $10,000 I can blow this weekend. I can't wait to get up there and put it in that church. I've seen some of those nuts before I was getting gas at the Circle K. Come up there, those brand new shiny cars. Hey, excuse me. Uh, I live down to such and such, such and such. Could you put some gas in my tank and help me get home? <laughs> I'm a good guy and I don't say it, but all I think is, get away from me, stupid. <laughs> They're sowing to the flesh. Now, what are they reaping? Corruption. They're getting no good out of it. A lot of people that go down that road, they lose their homes, they lose their families, they lose their jobs, they lose their stuff. Some of them lose their lives, etc., etc. But he says you sow to the Spirit and you reap life everlasting. Well, that life there comes the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, zoe. That's the life of God. And I have the life of God in me as a born-again Christian. You do too. But the life of God can manifest in divine healing and divine health. The life of God manifests in a sound mind. The life of God manifests in anointing working through you. And so I want to sow into spiritual things and open the door for God's life to manifest in me more and more and more and more. Amen. My wife was hit yesterday. I was so glad over that eyeball. I was able to lay hands on her and know the anointing of God was working in her to bring her out of that. When I was hit last year, I was so glad to know the Zoe life of God was working in me to bring me out of that. Amen. And so he says, don't be deceived. What you sow is what you reap. Amen. And so I want to sow into the things of God. I want my life to be involved in the things of God. Then he says, and let us not be weary of well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now look at this verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, got a hot lead on the racehorses, man. Have an opportunity, let's, 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 let's bet on the horses. Hey, this, this, this roulette wheel over here, man, it's about to give out. Man, it's going to go. Hey, I got a hot lead down here, man. This dealer here doesn't know what she's doing. I don't know what those people talk about in Las Vegas, but I imagine things like that. It says, as we're there for opportunity, it says, let us do good unto all men, especially the ones that work in Vegas. Especially unto who? Them of the household of what? Faith. Our church is part of the household of faith. Christian churches that preach Jesus Christ are households of faith. Missionaries that preach Jesus Christ are part of the household of faith. And so he says, as we have therefore opportunity. Well, when God moves on a pastor to promote something such as missions for a year, then that's given the people that listen the opportunity. Amen. And so he said, let us do good, especially those of the household of faith. And so the spiritual law of sowing and reaping is very real. And so when you sow to help missionaries preach the gospel to others, Jesus will send believers to your loved ones no matter where they live in the world. Amen. I just want to keep saying that because this thing's all tied together. I want to look at Matthew chapter 24. We'll spend a little bit of time in here as we close out the last uh, few minutes of the service. Matthew 24, verses 3 through 13. And Jesus here describes the gross darkness that Isaiah prophesied of. Jesus is going to describe some of the things that Matthew, that, that Isaiah prophesied of. And so verse 3 It says, and as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming out of the end of the world or the end of the age? 
the end of the church age that we now live in, says, says, what's going to be the sign of you coming back at the end of the age? And, you know, I think about, I think about signs. How many here still read road signs? I know you got the Google Maps and the, all the stuff there. But isn't it nice to see as you're coming back from the south to the outside, it says Barstow, 32 miles. And then you see the sign says Linwood. And, you know, I'm getting close. And then you see the sign says, Welcome to Barstow, Barstow City Limits, where you know you've arrived. But those signs tell you closer and closer, the closer you get. As you read road signs, they tell you how close you're getting. The Bible and Jesus get ready to tell us some of the signs that tell us how close we're getting. To his coming back. How close we're getting to the end. And you know, it doesn't make any difference what sinners think. How long the earth is going to last, how long things are going to go, etc., etc., is what Jesus said. And Jesus told us that heaven's real. He told us hell's real. He told us that everybody has to die sometime unless we get raptured. But then he told us what to do while we're still on earth breathing this air, while we're still here doing what we're doing. He told us. But these disciples said, how are we going to know when it's getting close to you coming back? How are we going to know it's getting close to this age ending? And Jesus is getting ready to tell us those things. All we have to do is watch the signs. Jesus answered and said unto them, Wow, I circled this one too. Take heed that no man deceive you. Well, God talks about deception a lot, doesn't he? He says, make sure you're not deceived. And you know, I'll just throw this in for the times we live in. There's so much false out there right now that you had better own a Bible. You better read your Bible. And you better listen to ministers that bear Jesus' fruit. You know, Paul said at least four or five different times I know of in the epistles, things such as this, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That means the ones you see manifestation of God's word in their life follow them. And so how can you tell if a preacher is a Jesus preacher? Well, Jesus in Mark 16 said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Said they preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I know that in our church, the gospel is preached to everything we do. So that's Jesus' people preaching it because the devil's people is not going to preach Jesus. Jesus said, they'll lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they shall recover. Amen. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty four, he said, a new love I give unto you. And then verse 35, he says, not like the world gives. He said, love one another as I have loved you. So if you're around preachers that are preaching hatred of any kind, that preach anything other than forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera, I wouldn't follow them very long. Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, he said that if a man looks after a woman to lust after her in his mind, said he's committed adultery already in his heart. And so if you're, if you're listening to a preacher that's telling you that it's right for anybody to have sex with somebody they're not married to, they're not following Jesus. And I'm not going to follow them. Et cetera, et cetera. By, well, a matter of fact, we just go a step further. In Galatians chapter 5, he says the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Of course, he's talking about sexual sins. They talk about drunkenness and wild parties, people abusing their bodies and all those different things. And then he said that I'll tell you this, said the ones that practice this thing should not inherit the kingdom of God. And so if you listen to preachers that tell you it's okay to smoke what you want to, to drink what you want to, to live how you want to, sleep who you want to, they're not Jesus preachers. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, I'm telling you right now, this passage starts off, Jesus said, don't let anybody deceive you, even preachers. Amen. Amen. I'll say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. He says, he says, take heed, no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall what? Deceive many. I am Christ. I'll tell you what, Mr. Pastor and I were watching the news the other night. And I don't know if you guys, David, Pastor Dave tells about some of the ones he's seen. I saw a very, very, very influential spiritual leader that's not a Christian spiritual leader on national news the other night. 
saw it myself in front of a, a thing, a, a speaker's thing. He was having thousands and thousands and thousands of his followers on the news. The guy said, I am Christ. Heard it right out of his mouth. He said, he said that that Christ from Israel was then, he said he wasn't the real one, said, I am Christ. He said, I'm the one that's given my life for all you people of the world. He said, I come to finish what that Christ started. So that Christ started for the destruction of Israel, but I'm going to finish it. I thought, wow, where'd this guy come from? But he had thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were there at that place, plus lots of followers around the world. I thought, man, how can somebody say that? I thought, man, but Jesus prophesied. What's the signs that he's near? Many shall come and say that I'm Christ. So guess what that's saying? That's saying we just left Orange County. And it said 78 miles to Barstow. Well, it's getting close, man. The guy said, I'm Christ. That's a sign. He said, uh, I am Christ. So then he says, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's talking about cold wars, hot wars, wars. Is there any wars in the world right now? Well, I'll tell you what, I remember, some of the people in my age group remember too, I remember where the last war we had was World War II. I remember the Korean War that everybody called a war. I had, I had my, my dad and that generation was in World War II. Then I had a generation of uncles and things that were in the Korean conflict, not a war conflict. But anyway, they were in that. And then we had nothing for years. America wasn't involved in anything for a long time. Then Vietnam. Vietnam happened, then after Vietnam, nothing for a long time. But I'll tell you what, since I was a young man in my uh, 20s, since Vietnam days, when things broke loose again, there's your sign. Wars. Rumors of wars. What are we talking about? We're talking about why Jesus is so serious about getting this gospel out. Wars. Has, it, has anybody in here besides me noticed all the wars the last few years? How, how long have we been in the Middle East now? Probably as long as some of you were born. <laughs> Amen. Well, see, this is not something that caught Jesus unawares. He told about it 2,000 years ago. Wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But look at this. The end is not yet. And then look at this verse 7. He says, For a nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Or nation is actually about race or tribe, people groups. Talk about the people groups. You know, how have you ever heard so many different people groups in the Muslim religion, Islam, over in the Middle East? All these different Muslims fight each other because they've got different tribes and different groups around the world, the different people groups. And then kingdom means governments and rulers. Governments and rulers. And so he says that these are going to rise against each other. shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Has anybody seen any change in the weather patterns, weather patterns around the world? How, how about the different diseases they come up with? All the time, all the time, all the time. I tell you, it's just so wretched. Sometimes some of the things you see, it starts happening to people's bodies in these last days. The pestles is things that happen. Anyway, Jesus said those are signs. And he said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And so he's talking to the, to, to the Jewish followers of Jesus right here, said you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then he says, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And so I'm looking at that about we'll be hated for the name of Jesus. And people be offended at us for the name of Jesus. And I got to think when I was looking at that again this morning, just look at America. Look at America. It's supposed to be a Christian nation. In America, Christian businesses are harassed because they're standing for Jesus Christ of the Bible. Look at Chick-fil-A. What did Chick-fil-A ever do to anybody? Man, they give you good food and treat you nice like that. But because they're Jesus people, a lot of people turn on them. How about Hobby Lobby? How about these family pizza places and bakeries because they won't compromise what they believe from the Bible? Amen. 
And I tell you, this, this is what we're talking about the times we live in. Jesus wants the gospel going out around the world, but in America too. That's why it's so good to support the best. There's go around America, help preach the gospel around places in America that need it. But this is a sign that Jesus told us. That's what I want to keep emphasizing. He said, what's the, to- what's the sign that the world's going to end? What's the sign that you're coming back? He said, well, people are going to hate you because you're a Christian. People are going to get offended. Well, that's an easy one to go down that road, isn't it? Well, I won't go down that one. Man, people get offended. Why, why are you offended at me? I saw you praying over your food in that restaurant. Why are you offended at me? Well, because when I sneezed, you said, God bless you. I don't believe in God. All you have to do is breathe now as a Christian. They get offended. But Jesus said, it's the sign of the end. But he said, the end's not yet. And then he says, and many false prophets shall arise and what? Deceive many. Deceive many. I got enough time to hit this. Yeah. Yeah. When I first came to this church, we had some people in this church and a lot of church people across America got deceived by this guy down in Florida. And he was having these, I don't know what they were. But anyway, people kept, come on, Pastor Watson, come on, come on, come on, hook up, hook up, hook up. And so finally we went home one day after church on a Sunday because he's the internet guy. Got on the internet, we watched the guy for about two minutes at our spirit where Jesus lives. We were so grieved and knew, this guy's wrong, he's wrong, he's wrong. And so another time we tried, one time tried to watch it, the guy had tens of thousands of American Christians flocking to him for all his signs and wonders. Well, I think he went down about a year later. Turned out he was a drunkard. He was running around on his wife and had women. Messed with little boys. And did all kinds of stuff. But the thing was, all that glitter is not gold. The guy was a false prophet. He led a lot of people down the, down the wrong road. And Christians went to a church like this. They were deceived. And so I'm telling you, if you're watching whatever's popular out there, make sure that's the Jesus spirit. And you can hear on the inside of you if it is or not. So anyway, it says, shall deceive me. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity shall abound. That word iniquity means lawlessness. Lawlessness shall abound. In Isaiah 5.20, just write this down. Isaiah 5.20, Isaiah said, people are going to call good evil and evil good. Just look at the news. Just look at the news. How many times on the news in the times we're living in, you see, I don't know what to say, just people groups that do wrong things, but they change the law so that what they're doing wrong is not wrong anymore. They changed the laws so that people that were doing things that a generation ago, they couldn't even talk about publicly. Now they changed the law so they can do it legally. And then things that are totally legal, they're changing the law so now they're illegal. I'll I'll tell you what, George Washington and the people that founded this nation would never ever take the Bibles out of schools. They would never, ever stop a football coach for praying, praying for his players. Guess what? Like that man said on TV, Duh, there's your sign. He said, iniquity, lawlessness shall abound. And that's, that, that's what we've seen taking place. So anyway, we'll finish going through this. So he said, and, and then the love of many shall wax cold. That's talking about the agape love of God in the hearts of believers shall grow cold. That's talking about believers that once loved everybody, wanted to help everybody, believers have turned the other way and become full of malice and hatred towards people. But then he said, in verse 13, but he that shall endure until the end shall be saved. And so verse 14, this is the clincher for why missions. Everything led up to this verse right here to close out this message. So they're asking him for the sign of when he's coming and when the end's going to be. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached 
in one little place in the desert. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the United States. Shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto who? All nations. And then what? Then shall the end come. Jesus told us right there, real plain, what's going to close out this church age. He said, when this gospel is preached in all the world unto all nations, what gospel? Well, the freedom of religion. You can believe in whatever God you want to. If you want to believe in your God, believe in your God. I got my God, you got your God. That's not the gospel Jesus preached. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Amen. It wasn't the freedom. Well, you believe what you want to. Well, the Bible says in multiple places, there's a way that seems right to a man. But then there are the ways of death. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus said that. That's so... Go ahead and clap. You guys are too quiet. So what gospel is Jesus talking about? The gospel of the good news that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He's the only way to get to heaven. So Jesus said, "I want you know, in this verse right here, in this verse right here, you ought to put a yellow marker through it. You ought to put red around it. You ought to put stars around it. Because this tells you what to do for the time we live in. He says, when this is preached in all the world, then Jesus himself said, then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. Do you know what that tells me? Right now, the gospel has not been preached in all the world for witness yet. Because if it had been, Jesus is not a liar. He tells the truth. If it had been, Jesus would come back. We'd be in heaven. Be the end of the church age. We'd go into the millennium. And so anyway, you ought to circle that verse and remember that verse. This is why missions. This is why missions. I'm going to make a statement here in closing that's powerful, but from the Holy Spirit is alive this word. When we are an active part in preaching the gospel around the world, we are fulfilling Jesus' prophecy of the end of the church age. We're fulfilling Bible prophecy when we help support taking the gospel around the world. Can you see that? We're fulfilling prophecy. Somebody shout. We're fulfilling prophecy. And I, I tell you, this year, uh, just as we, Josh, go ahead. As, as we're closing out, I just want to say this. It doesn't make any difference what you give as long as you give what God wants you to give for the year. Whatever's in your heart, you know, if, if your faith level's a dollar and God knows that, give a dollar a month. If your faith level's a hundred dollars a month, and you pray about this for a month, and you know in your heart that you can keep your word to God for $100 a month, do that. But the main thing is, just remember this verse. Jesus said, when this is preached around the world, then the end shall come. Just know this. We're not just giving money to something because it's a church thing. It's a heart thing with Jesus to help him close out the church age. Amen. That's what we're doing. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.